Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 I'm recording this two weeks away. It's probably going to come out on the weekend, so less than two weeks away from the NFL season starting. Frog ball, if you will. Frog ball is starting up very, very shortly, and I cannot wait. We're going to be going over do not draft players. I've got four on my other screen over here that I want to talk about. Don't worry if you're watching on the YouTube video. It's not going to be all these guys behind me. It's going to be different positions, but I will tell you it will be one of the guys behind me. I had Raheem Mostart, Marlon Mack, Mark Ingram, and Carrion Johnson slightly peaking up. If you're listening on the audio version, how you doing? I appreciate if you've seen any video of me before once at all, there's about 45% of the people over the last month that have not subscribed to this channel. I get it. Some people just stop by for one video. They stop by for one little cup of tea and they get what they need. But if you're continuing to watch these videos and now this is your second to 100th video, you have not yet hit the subscribe button. Please do hit that like button for me and the big subscribe button that I am editing in right now. It really does help to get this channel growing. And honestly, these next two weeks, there could be some serious exponential growth on this channel because of all of you doing that and allowing it to reach even more people. Hey, there's pretty decent chance that that's how you found this channel. So thank you so much. I'm excited to get into this today. Now we're going to be looking at for part of the video, a couple of these guys, two of the four, we're going to be looking at my Supreme Draft Guide, my player profiles for them. That's where you can find my rankings, my top 150s, everything you need to dominate your draft, key stats, databases for every single position to see exactly who is trending in the right direction and the analysis to back it up. Everything that you will need for draft night from the tiers, the top 150s and all of that stuff will be in there as well for just $10. It's linked down below in the description. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. They're cutting the cost by 66.66666 percent this year so thank you monkey knife fight appreciate that if you want to check it out it is linked down below just ten dollar ruskies to dominate your draft beat your league mates be the guy sitting there with the trophy in your hand as you get to watch the last place finisher do the punishment that you enact on him and if you don't have punishments in your league yet be sure to enact those this year what do you say we get on into and we're going to start four guys i have right now one running back well two running backs one tight end and a quarterback to talk about and then an honorable mention who's a wide receiver we'll start with one of the running backs raheem mostart now he's been in a video before if you've watched a lot and there's over 110 videos for the fantasy football 2020 season now in the playlist. So after you watch this one, if you still want some more education, if you still want to try and win those dollar ruskies in your league or the bragging rights, be sure to go down into the playlist just on this channel and you can just scheme any type of video that you want. And I'm sure there's a video for it. But as I zoom in on Raheem Mostart's 2019 stats, a lot of things are going to look fantastic. Sal, how do you not like him? He's currently going 61st overall. Well, I currently have him 78th overall. So I'm 17 spots behind consensus and ADP average draft position, according to 444, where they're consolidating a ton of different ADPs right now from like six or seven different sites, some paid for, some not paid for, but the non-paid for ones are like Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, so they're reputable sites. So in 2019, well, how am I this far behind on him? Well, let's talk about a lot of things at first, right? So he had a very small sample size last year, of just 137 total carries on the ground, and it really started to break out during the second half of last year. Now, I will not knock him at all. His final five weeks of the season or so were very good. He saw 10.1 total touches per game. He was the number one running back in true yards per carry at 5.3 per carry and number one in breakaway runs. He was elite when it came to efficiency metrics. He ran behind the fourth ranked run blocking unit that will no longer have Joe Staley this year who retired. So that's going to be a knock against him. Even if you want to say they got Trent Williams, who's a very good offensive lineman from the Washington Redskins, it's still not the great cohesiveness coming in one for one as Joe Staley was on this offensive line. It might take some time. So he's very good in a lot of departments. San Fran ran the second most times per game, only behind Baltimore at 31.1 per game as well. And he ended up seeing 10 touchdowns last year on those 137 carries and 14 receptions. So first of all, the 10 touchdowns, it's up there with Aaron Jones, except it's not being talked about as much for him most start in terms of Aaron Jones, 19 overall touchdowns on X amount of carries. He's due for touchdown regression. Well, the exact same percentage of touchdowns was actually happening with Raheem Mostart last year. Aaron Jones was a 
6.7% touchdown rate, a very high one, ended up seeing a 6.6% rate for a guy in Raheem Mostert. And I get it, he's in an efficient run blocking offense, so that's supposed to happen, but it's never supposed to be sustainable to that degree. All of his efficiency metrics were great to see in this offense, but I'm not too sure that I can actually rely on him. Now let's just look at it game by game, if we want to look at it that way. And we can go to the backfield competition on the Supreme Draft Guide right now on his player profile. You can see on the screen, you got Tevin Coleman, you have Jarek McKinnon, and you have Jeff Wilson. Matt Breida was shipped out during the draft for a draft pick. He goes to Miami. So, I mean, I'm kind of concerned here. You have Telvin Coleman, who played over 40% of the snaps last year, who saw the exact same amount of carries. He pretty much split them, 137 apiece, with a guy in Raheem Mostart, and he scored seven touchdowns on his own. So he wasn't fantastically efficient at the same extent as Raheem Mostart, but he got the job done. Coleman's contract, he's in the final year of a two-year deal, so it's a contract year for Coleman. I think he'll be a little bit motivated to try and get one of his final contracts of his NFL career. And then Jarek McKinnon is worth mentioning at this point. Jarek McKinnon is my favorite running back to own in this backfield. You saw him on the late round must draft video that came out earlier in the week. Be sure to check that out if you want must draft running backs from the middle rounds, the early rounds, the late rounds are all out there. Be sure to scoop them up after this one. But McKinnon is going double digit rounds, 10, 11, 12 rounds later right now, sometimes more in drafts, like 15 rounds later than a guy in Raheem Mostert. And that makes no sense to me. McKinnon right now is being used in the passing game. He might actually be the number one pass catching back in this backfield. And there's no doubt in my mind that he can take on a 30 or 40% overall volume share out of the backfield as well when it comes to carrying the football. I mean, let's just look at the overall snap percentages last year. He Mostert doesn't take on a commanding amount of the snaps until week 13 last year, but then he, you know, he holds his job. 66% of the snaps, 63, 50, 60, and 54. But even in those weeks, you're not seeing massive workloads. I mean, you do get in week 13 against Baltimore, 21 overall touches when you factor in the receiving game. That's good. But then it goes 10, 15, 11, and 11. So nothing fantastic there in terms of volume. Yes, the 21 was nice, but that was the most that he has seen. Outside of that, it's 8, 7, 21, 12, 15, 11, 11, right? You're not getting massive stuff there. You had the huge performance against the Packers in the playoffs that a lot of people are going to remember. You know, the four touchdown game, this over 200 yards rushing, everything he's going towards is a huge hole. Remember how he finished there and how efficient he was in the final couple weeks of the season where he was pretty much finishing week in and week out as a top 25 back. In a couple weeks, he did finish as a top five back in weeks 13 and weeks 14 as well, thanks to some touchdown help in week 14 against the Saints. I get all that, but I don't want to just look at five weeks last year in one playoff week for Raheem Mostert, an undrafted free agent who is also over 28 and a half years old in an offense that has lost a lot of players in the wide receiver department and their defense is just bound to get worse after losing some people on defense and just naturally regressing from being the number one secondary last year up there with the Patriots. So if your defense gets worse, if your offense starts to struggle a little bit more to move the ball and they have to rely now since you're trailing in games because of a worse defense or at least more neutral scripts, you have to rely now a little bit more on George Kittle and his new contract, on Jimmy Garoppolo and the man that they signed to be the leader of this team and not miss passes in the Super Bowl last year. That's only going to hurt all the running backs in general. And now you have a healthy Jarek McKinnon back there. You have a healthy to at least start the season, Tevin Coleman, which was not the case for all of last year. I'm concerned. I don't think that he should be being taken two to three rounds before Tevin Coleman. I don't think he should be taking Raheem Mostert 12 rounds before a Jarek McKinnon. So yes, I think Raheem Mostert, if you got him in the seventh and eighth round, that's fine. You might actually see a 150 touch season, but I don't think we're going to see a, a sure thing, 200 touch season out of him this year. Oh, but Sal, they gave him a new contract. They gave him like a million extra dollars because he was uncomfortable with how little he was being paid. And rightfully, so he was being paid very little to be potentially a lead back, but I think it's going to be a backfield by committee approach in this offense. So yeah, I don't really want him right now. You just look, take a quick look at what they did in the offseason. You can see that they added in, in general, Brandon Ayuk, they added some other players uh, in the NFL draft. They ended up losing guys like Matt Breida, which is going to help them in terms of just having less running backs back there, but they still got a bunch back there and they're going to use a ton of them using wide receivers as well on end rounds and stuff. So not much there. The injury history is actually concerning as well. He missed eight games in 2018. He had a shoulder injury in 2017. He did have a knee sprain last week for five weeks, but he didn't miss any time. So this is a guy who does deal with a lot of injuries, uh, hamstrings,
hamstring injury, soft tissue issues, but it's hard to really project that. But he is an older running back. So if anything, his fragility rating in terms of getting injured is going to be up there and a little bit higher than most. So I do not want Raheem Mostert. He's the first do not draft. Let's get into the second one now. And that is going to be one Hunter Henry. And I love the talent of Hunter Henry. Like I like this guy a lot. I've always had him on like every single one of my fantasy teams, but this year is just not the case. This is the year of you either draft Kelsey or Kittle, which I'm not really all for, but go ahead and get them if you want. They're going to score way more than any other tight ends and Mark Andrews and all those guys hurts to an extent. But it is the year of the late round tight end. Tight ends like right now, my rankings from 10 to 20 to 24 even all look like fine options as my tight end one or tight end two. So I have no idea why Hunter Henry right now, it depends on what site you're drafting on. If it's like a tight end premium league where they get more points for receptions, he's going in the first 60 picks. On average, he's going around like 70 to 75 overall. And that's just not something I want to be taking. I'm not spending a sixth or seventh round pick on Hunter Henry. Are you kidding me? Currently, I have Hunter Henry in my rankings nowhere near that. I have Hunter Henry behind a bunch of guys who are going 50 picks later than him in drafts, 60 picks later than him in drafts. Hunter Henry right now is my tight end 12. I have guys like Hayden Hurst, Rob Gronkowski, who I'm not even that high on either of those guys ahead of him. I have Mike Gusecki, John Smith ahead of him, right? I want those guys before I take Hunter Henry. And based on the fact that people are taking him in the sixth or seventh round, I just don't want it. Now I could zoom in on his stats and we could talk about his stats and they were fine, but there's a lot of things to talk about here. You can always talk about the fact that he has Tyrod Taylor, no longer Philip Rivers, who he seems to have a very nice connection with, where in last year being injured still, he saw an 18% target share and a 19.4% red zone target share. He ranked top five in route participation. He was pretty much top 10 or top five in every statistical category for tight ends because we think of Hunter Henry as a top 10 tight end in this league. Touchdowns, red zone receptions, fantasy points per game were 12.3. That was eighth. He was third in average target distance, right? But now he's going to have some issues. Is Justin Herbert going to play? 14 games at Oregon. He looked pretty decent there. 247 yards per game, 30.6 attempts per game, and 32 passing touchdowns. So is he going to play? Is it going to be Tyra Taylor? If there's a quarterback switch, how long does it take to kind of establish that offense and get it back up and running? So those are my concerns big time. It's just the quarterback situation, but I would say even more so as I put up the target offense and the target competition that you're going to see this year. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who is currently dealing with an injury. They'll see if he's ready for week one. Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Joe Reed, who is going to be somebody who might fill in right away for Mike Williams if he's hurt. Keep an eye on Joe Reed. I know this is not a deep sleepers video, but Joe Reed is similar to Brian Edwards in terms of the Oakland rookie wide receiver who probably gets a lot more opportunity than a lot of people are expecting, especially if Mike Williams is going to miss some time. Joe Reed probably steps right into that role as the X receiver. But yes, I could talk about the concerns about the offense and where Tyrod Taylor is going to look more often, but it won't really affect tight ends all that much. Like they're usually not the ones that are hugely hit. Like Mike Williams on the outside, I think gets hit in a major way. The running backs to an extent with the mobile quarterback and Tyrod Taylor to start the season get hit in a pretty decent way. I'm just more so concerned about the opportunity cost. Why draft Hunter Henry, who I don't think is going to have as good of a season as other guys being drafted 50 picks later and and four or five rounds later, why draft him in the sixth or seventh round? You should be targeting, in my opinion, tight ends in rounds 10 through 14. Snag two tight ends in those rounds. You can end up having Mike Gusecki and John Smith. You can end up having TJ Hawkinson and Chris Herndon. That combination at, at cheap cost, like the double digit rounds, sounds way better to me than having Hunter Henry in the sixth or seventh round. So the analysis here is mainly opportunity cost and not loving the ADP of Hunter Henry. I think he's a fantastic player. I don't think Hunter Henry is bad. I don't think we're going to see a decline in his skills. You can argue that there's a little bit of uncertainty with the quarterback, and that just helps my point. But my point in general stems from the fact that I'm a little bit concerned about the ADP that you're getting compared to some of the other guys being taken way later. The next fella up is going to be a quarterback, and uh oh, how dare you put a 40 year old quarterback on the screen that's going to be a, a potential Hall of Famer? And Drew Brees. And honestly, I could pick apart a couple of guys. I could put Aaron Rodgers on the screen. He's been in a don't draft video earlier in the week, oh, earlier in the summer. He's another guy. It's the same argument for me as it was when I just talked about Hunter Henry. There's other guys that I can talk about, like Jared Cook being drafted way earlier than I think he should. Same team as Drew Brees, but I'm going to pick apart Drew Brees here because he is right now my overall 13th quarterback in my rankings, but he's going off the board as like a top seven quarterback. And he's currently going off the board 81st overall. I have him 113th overall. Now I should point out that 
I also think late round quarterback is the better optimal build. So I'm taking him over 30 picks later than he's going. So I'm never going to get him. I think you should be drafting Drew Brees three rounds later than where he is. That's obviously never going to be the case because people see Drew Brees' name in the eighth round and they're like, oh my God, I got Drew Brees in the eighth round, not knowing that they actually just made maybe the worst decision of their draft. Some of the names that I have ahead of Drew Brees right now are going to be Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton and Tom Brady and Daniel Jones is pretty close as well for me to be taking over Drew Brees, especially when you factor in ADP. But that's just straight up rankings. If you want to see all my rankings, you can get them in the Supreme Draft Guide with a ton of other stuff and benefits that are going to help you dominate your draft. Link down below again. Thank you to Monkey Knife Fight. You can check it out. It tells you exactly how to take advantage of that offer in the description. And look, if you want to come at me with the stats and say, Oh man, Sal, what a bad take. Number one in true completion percentage again last year. Number three in true passer rating. Top five in red zone completion percentage and pressured completion percentage. And number two in pocket completion percentage. His adjusted anytime yards per attempt was number two in the league. He had the number one accuracy rating. I'm propping him up right now. Number three in fantasy points per drop back last year was Drew Brees. He was number five in passing touchdowns. How much more can you possibly say and not like this guy, Sal? He was number five in fantasy points per game at 20.4. I get all that stuff. I get it. Listen, I get it. He's another year older now, right? He does have Emmanuel Sanders, which probably helps that offense a little bit more. I think he's going to have a healthier Alvin Kamara, which actually takes a little bit more off of his shoulders. But I get the fact that he has very good players after the catch of Michael Thomas to an extent, Emmanuel Sanders, an efficient tight end in Jared Cook. And he obviously has the best, one of the best after the catch players and efficiency players in Alvin Kamara. I'm not debating you or your refrigerator about that. It's the very similar argument of Hunter Henry. Where you are drafting Drew Brees right now in the seventh or eighth round is a mistake because the guys like Matthew Stafford going in the ninth or tenth round, or 11th round sometimes, and Matt Ryan going in those exact same rounds, and Carson Wentz, and Cam Newton, and Tom Brady going in similar rounds back there. Maybe not Tom Brady as much because of the name value, very similar to Drew Brees, but all those other guys. You can get Carson Wentz in round 10 right now, or you can take Drew Brees in the end of the seventh round. It doesn't make much sense to me. I don't see the gap there to be spending three rounds higher up because you know what the opportunity cost is. In the seventh round, the wide receivers are guys like Will Fuller, right? Potentially Jarvis Landry in those rounds. Arvin Jones, Christian Kirk, those are the guys. Michael Gallup, sometimes you can get in the seventh round. Those are the guys you can get in the seventh round at wide receiver. Whereas in the 10th and 11th round of wide receiver, there's still decent options, but you're not getting anywhere near number ones in their offense or high producing number twos, right? You're lucky if you can get an Anthony Miller at that point. You're lucky if you can get a second year undrafted player in Preston Williams, who's coming off of an ACL tear, a lot shakier of production and not as high of floors or ceilings in my opinion. I'm trying to help you out to be a better drafter. I don't think Drew Brees is a terrible player. Obviously he's not a terrible player. He's a hall of famer who still showed very good efficiency last year as a top five quarterback in the league based on his production last year. I get all that, but I don't want to be drafting QBs early. I don't want to be drafting 40 year old QBs early. And I don't want to be taking them three rounds earlier than guys who project out the exact same in Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, and Cam Newton right now for me. So it's the story of average draft position ADP for Hunter Henry and Drew Brees. There's no way I'm drafting them. And I don't think you should be either. Let's get into the final fella that we'll talk about today. And it's Sony Michelle. This has nothing to do with ADP. Well, it does to an extent. He's going 121st overall still right now. I don't even have him in my top 150. I don't even have him in my top uh, 200 right now. If I was to build all the way out there, let's look at where Sony Michelle is in my PPR rankings. Sony Michelle at running back right now is ranked 53rd. I have him behind guys like Adrian Peterson, Chase Edmonds, Austin Scott, Keyshawn Vaughn, Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, all these guys, right? A bunch of backups for the most part, some being rookies. And that's because Sony Michelle's injury is seeming like it's going to be pretty serious. He has not yet practiced in camp. It's been all of a guy in Damian Harris, second year player out of Alabama, was taken in the second round last year, not used much. He's taking a lot of starter snaps. James White is still obviously out there. They signed Lamar Miller, who I don't know if he even makes the team. He didn't play at all last year after being injured. They still have a special teams captain who also gets carries in Brandon Bolden out there, Rex Burkhead, right? So Sony Michelle's not stepping on the field right now. He was wildly inefficient to begin with, anyways, last year. A very bad running back, actually. They were taking him out on the goal 
goal line to let Brandon Bolden, again, their special teams captain, I believe it was like on Thursday Night Football, just trolling fantasy owners, letting Brandon Golden scoop up two rushing touchdowns. And he was just bad last year. He was 54th in true yards per carry, 3.6 yards per carry. He was 54th in yards per touch in 3.9. He ended up producing nothing in the receiving game. 12 receptions. Actually had a decent amount when Rex Burkett was injured, but just 12 receptions on the season. And that's in a full season of 16 games last year. It was not very good. Played just 38% of the snaps. It's his make or break year and his foot right now is injured. And he was injured all the way until pretty much his last year in college when he got hurt. He hasn't been the same player since then when it comes to his pass catching ability and his elusiveness rating. He was 43rd in breakaway runs according to player profile last year. Not the greatest of players. He was 114th in fantasy points per opportunity. And although he did have seven touchdowns, it was just a 2.7% touchdown rate based on the overall volume that he saw. I'm not sure how much more he can sustain this. I'm not sure now with a mobile quarterback in Cam Newton, how much they're actually going to even use him around the red zone last year, where he ended up seeing 45 red zone touches, which was like one of the good things about him ranking 10th in that department. But you're starting the season off now with a lower body and a foot injury for a running back who has not been that productive and has been dealing with this now for the entire offseason. That's not great. You have an exciting, I'll say, at least for right now, second year running back out of Alabama that's doing very good things in camp and is taking all the starter snaps. And you have depth of the position. If Sonny Michelle misses the first month of the season, and that's not out of the question right now, yeah, he's definitely going to be outside the top 50 in my running back rankings. And I expect him to kind of finish out there, especially if Damian Harris does anything during the season. Do not be drafting Sonny Michelle. And I get this. A lot of people are 95% of people are probably drafting by the time this video is out and then up until the season, the last 10 to 12 days before the season starts. I get it. Everybody's going to be drafting them. You're going to see Sonny Michelle's name and say, ah, Sonny Michelle's all the way down here in round like seven, eight right now. I could draft him at that point. Do not be drafting him. I would not be drafting Sonny Michelle, honestly, in the first 10 rounds. I probably wouldn't even start touching Sonny Michelle until like round 14 or 15. And by that time, some donkey has already taken him in like the seventh round. It's all name value at that point. You remember his two touchdown games from his rookie year. You remember some of his decent games from last year. He had them. He actually played the entire season. He did have decent games last year, top 20 performances. In week five against Washington, he had 21.3 points that ended up finishing top 10. Then you see in week seven against the Jets, he has 22.4 points. That was six. Those were his two top 10 finishes last year. Not great for where you drafted him. And then outside of that, he's continuously finishing as like RB42, RB43, RB48, RB70, right? RB28 and 28 were like his best finishes outside of those two top 10 performances. So outside of just the injury, which is already terrifying to me and will keep him off of my boards, he's just not an efficient running back and he has not been in this offense. So in now that there's some actual depth and some competition and a mobile quarterback in Cam Newton, who is definitely winning this job, don't even try and tell me Jared Stinnem is, who Jared Stinnem in the first practice or the first two days of practice threw seven interceptions in 11 on 11 drills. Not great. Tony Michelle is not somebody that you should be drafting this year. Go ahead and get Damian Harris ahead of him. Go ahead and get James White. I would take James White and Damian Harris in that order ahead of Sony Michelle this year. I wouldn't take Lamar Miller ahead of him, and I probably would not be taking Rex Burkett ahead of him. As of right now, Burkett ranks as my 67th running back, and a guy in Lamar Miller ranks as my 69th running back in my rankings. Sony Michelle is 53rd. This is a little sneak peek behind the curtain. Damian Harris is actually 39th. He made a huge jump, and James White is my 30th overall running back. So that's where I'm at right now. Those are the four guys that I want to talk about. My only honorable mention was Jerry Judy, and I don't hate Jerry Judy, the rookie that's going to be in Denver out of the slot. KJ Hamler is hurt with a hamstring right now. So not a lot of competition behind him either. Hamler, a rookie out of Penn State. Shout out Penn State. But Jerry Judy is going 110th overall right now. I currently have him as my 149th overall player. So I guess I'm not that great and that thrilled with Jerry Judy. But outside of that, outside of just my own expectations of not really trusting Drew Locke as much, Sutton and Noah Fan, I think are going to dominate more so than Jerry Judy, at least in his rookie year. I think Judy's a fantastic route runner. I don't know how much chemistry he can actually develop with a quarterback who I think is at best average in Drew Locke and maybe even below average. And then you have Melvin Gordon out of the backfield who's going to help some. So I think it's just a loaded offense. And I don't think the alpha in the offense is necessarily Jerry Judy yet. I think it's guys like Noah Fant and obviously Corton Sutton, but I still think he's fine, especially compared to rookies. But I don't like the fact that he's being taken ahead of Jalen Rieger right now and ahead of Henry Ruggs. Jalen Rieger is going to start in week one and he's standing out in camp. It's going to be Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rieger starting as Alshon Jeff 
McCaffrey is going to be on the pup list as Marquise Goodwin, who they traded for in the draft from San Francisco for the Eagles wide receiver, is opted out of the season so far. And they're already, again, dealing with thin wide receiver depth. They drafted a bunch of guys and rookies, but Jalen Rieger was their first round pick and he's looking very good in camp. He's my number one rookie wide receiver right now. As of my recording of this, I like him ahead of Jerry Judy. I like Henry Ruggs now, who I've warmed up to ahead of him. There's no Tyrell Williams. He got hurt. He's going to try and play through it, but it looks like Ruggs is going to, one, standing out in camp, but two, he's playing every single position. The X, the Y, the Z, the slot, both sides of the fields, anything that he wants right now, he's dominating in camp. And with Tyrell Williams out of there, it's going to look even better for him, or at least being banged up. And Tyrell Williams played banged up last year and it was not a pretty sight. Jerry Judy is an honorable mention. He's not a 100% must fade if you feel strongly about him. All these rookies have holes in them, but I'm just going to prefer as of right now, my rankings. Let me look at my wide receiver rankings. I currently have Justin Jefferson ahead of him in the rookie rankings, Jalen Rieger and Henry Ruggs, and even CeeDee Lamb and Michael Pittman right now. So I'm very low on Jerry Judy. A lot of people are going to think that that's crazy. I even have Brandon Ayuk ahead of him, who's right now dealing with an injury himself. So we'll have to keep track of that. So in my overall PPR rankings for this specific year, not just dynasty. Yeah, I'm not going to be that high on Jerry Judy. I got a lot of people like him. He's my wide receiver 60 right now. He's very close to Denzel Mims. It's like a coin flip for rookies that I like. Mims is also dealing with an injury and has not yet practiced. So that's my concern there. But yes, I like a lot of guys ahead of him at the rookie spot, especially guys like Jalen Rieger, Henry Ruggs, and Justin Jefferson. So thank you for tuning in. The do not draft players so far for me. And there's a lot more, of course, but you can get the rankings to see where I differ from the consensus ADP. But the ones that we mentioned in this video, Raheem Mostart, do not like him. I'm 17 spots behind consensus. Hunter Henry, there's no way I'm spending up for him that early as a tight end. I am 36 spots behind consensus. He's going 70th overall. I have him 106. Drew Brees is going 81st overall. I love the late round QBs. I'm not spending a seventh or eighth round pick on Drew Brees when he looks exactly like all the 10th and 12th round quarterbacks. I am 32 spots behind consensus there. And Sonny Michel, I'm wildly behind. He's going 121st overall. He's not even in my top 150. He's outside my top 50 running backs right now. And there's no way I'm going to be drafting Sonny Michel this season. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before you go, if I can get you to hit that like button for me real quickly, big old subscribe button pops up on the YouTube video. If you're listening on the podcast, take a second of your time, hit the subscribe button. You can get into a chance, even if you're watching on YouTube, to win $50 Rootskies. We'll do a raffle once per week now until the season starts. If you leave a review on the podcast version, The Salvetry Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out the Supreme Draft Guide and take advantage of that offer so you can dominate your league mates, dominate your draft, and win all the dollar rooskies and the bragging rights. Promo code SALNFL, S-A-L-N-F-L, will get you a $10 Supreme Draft Guide and some other stuff. $5 free on the site, a free ticket to play. All that information will be linked down below so you can check it out and learn more how to take advantage of the offer and then take advantage of your league mates. So thank you so much for tuning into this video, gang, and I'll see you all in the next one.